Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to All Together, the Family Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All Together, the Family Science Insights Podcast. And today, I'm here instead of Dina, because she has a little situation that she needs to take care of. And I believe that is totally okay. The part, the most important thing is we're here. And today we're here with one of our co-hosts at LMSL. We're here with Aditi. Um, family is my favorite topic to talk about. I don't talk about it very often because I don't host the show as much as Dina does. But today is my chance to do it. I'm very excited. How are you today, Aditi? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day outside. It's really so nice outside. I'm feeling I cannot happy. wait to take my laptop out on the balcony and do my next meeting. That will be fun. Uh, so... I don't know how to introduce you per se, because, you know, we've been working together for a while um, and I know you as a colleague and I know what you like and don't like. But as a person, I'm keen to hear how you would introduce yourself. How would you introduce yourself as a human? Hmm, That's a good one, Um, because I was just going to introduce myself by the podcast (laughs) that I host at LMSL. No, but who are you really? Um, Who am I really? Great question. I wish I knew. Um, (laughs) I... Uh, I'm currently a podcast host. I also work as a head of content um, at Sari Collective, which is a South Australian Asian South Asian Australians representing ideas. I will get that right one day. <laughs> um, uh, where we talk about a lot of like South Asian Australian issues, which is really nice. Um, I'm also studying, unfortunately, um, <laughs> part time um, screen production and journalism, which is really exciting. That's what I do for work. Uh, what I do for fun is changing every single day. <laughs> I feel like I find a new hobby every week or every month or so. Um, right now, I am rewatching the entire Pokemon anime. Oh, from scratch. I just started. Yeah. Oh my god. I just started. Yeah. In which language are you watching it in? English. Yeah. 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 So I'm very new to it, but. I'm, Give me your updates because well, I'm abnormally into Pokemon. So, well, well the, the the thing that has happened recently is like I so my my best friend made me watch it, and then um, I was like, okay, this is new to me. Like I don't know anything about it. And then uh, we had a conversation, and I just started to Clefairy him. So instead of instead of talking, I was just like Clefairy, how are you, Clefairy? Are you okay, Clefairy? That's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's a vibe. Like, it's, it's really great. It's, it's a great intro to the podcast. And thank you again for being here. It's going to be fun. Um, it's fun already. <laughs> I think uh, the topic that we're going to talk about today is really close to both of us because we're away from our extended family. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm away from my whole family, but you're away from your extended family. Mm-hmm. It's like a long distance relationship that you have with them. So I'm really keen to hear from you because we're talking about living apart from extended family. 
And um, I, I've heard some of your stories, but today we're going to dig deeper into that. Before we get into it, we normally do the have you met someone section. Have you met a DT? And today I am doing this with you for the first time, I believe. Yes, that is correct. I you don't think I've asked, asked you these, these questions. questions. Yeah. I haven't had you on my shows yet. That's that's interesting. By the way, I'm hosting two other shows at LMSL. One is for happiness and the other one is for well-being. And what other shows are you hosting, Aditi? I am hosting um, Personal Science and Relationship Science. So Self-Improvement Atlas and Relascope. That's the other one. I love those two shows so much because like the, the concept, the names, like <laughs> the different topics. I was like, oh, I'm so enlightened. Anyways... First of all, what is a book you would recommend to our audience? Um, so I guess a book I would recommend is one I'm actually reading right now. Um, it's called The Once and Future Sex. Um, and it's about by Eleanor Yanega, who is a doctor in medieval history. And it's about medieval gender roles um, and women's roles in hi historically. And it kind of compares that to today and how we view women and gender today and how much it's both changed and stayed similar over time and also clears up a lot of our misconceptions um, around how we viewed like medieval sexism and, and medieval gender roles and that kind of thing. It's really interesting. I've learned so much. Um, the things that we associate with progress were already in place like a thousand years ago, but it's, it's only very recently that those rights were kind of reversed and that we're trying to fight for them back again. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. That is super cool. I've never heard about that book before. It just came out at the start of this year and I'm oh, a big okay. fan of the historian. So I mm. bought it. Um, cool. Nonfiction books are difficult for me to read quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes me a long time. But Same. Yeah. But sometimes when they're really good, you just go through them so quickly as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's really good. I think in general, it's just nonfiction. I need to take little breaks and read something pulpy and <laughs> yeah. silly yeah, in the absolutely. middle. So absolutely. it just takes me a bit of, a, bit yeah. of time. Yeah, love that. And next one, you know what it is. What is a movie you would like to talk about today? Uh, so many movies I would like to talk about. Um, I'm going to stick to two. One that just came out, um, well, not just came out, came out last year, um, Everything Everywhere All At Once. If you haven't seen it yet, please go watch it because like, what are you so doing? So beautiful. Um, two, um, a movie that I've been excited over today that was just announced, Paddington 3. Um, <laughs> it's my end game. Aww, it's your end <laughs> it's game. It's my Snyder Cut. Aww. It's your Thanos snap. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. my big movie event that I'm looking Love forward it. to. I'm also going to, I'm also getting my outfit ready for the Barbie movie premiere, so. Oh, the yeah. Barbie movie. They have that it's coming? coming out in July and it's got Margot Robbie. It's the director oh. of Little Women. Oh my gosh. Ryan Gosling as Ken. That is so not my style, but I'm very keen to dress up as a Barbie. That's, yeah, that's going to be fun. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. You got to send me your outfit inspo and I'm going to. I will. I will. I've already bought um, the sweater. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find something that I can wear um, to represent the Barbies. I used to love them at one point. Me too. I was yeah. obsessed. Obsessed. I had the books and everything. Yeah. And the movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so you host two podcasts. What's your favorite podcast? Out of the two? No, in general. In general. Um, well, if you watch um, some of the... I've been on the um, 
productivity and resilience shows and I recommended a bunch on there so I don't want to repeat them yeah um what I've been listening to lately that I really like is called if books could kill Mm. um which looks at kind of a bunch of like pop science books that have kind of come out the kind of thing that you've heard people talk about and you might see at an airport bookstore and you'll pick it up because you don't have anything to read while you're on the flight um that are not exactly that are kind of based on pseudoscience or just not well researched um books like that and it kind of just goes through chapter by chapter and debunks a lot of things that are in it um that one's really cool yeah Mm. if books could kill is what that's cool yeah yeah wow you know all the cool stuff i love it (laughs) um and who's your role model could be a famous person could be you know your personal role model Mm. who would that person be difficult difficult um yeah that's a very tough question personal role model i really like um i'm really into movies in case you couldn't tell (laughs) yeah it's surprising my favorite director is also someone i look up to personally in terms of even though like directing is not necessarily something i'm gonna do immediately in life maybe one day um i really like her just approach to her art um chloe zhao um, she directed Nomadland. Um, she works with a lot of real people and tries to represent things in this kind of semi-real way that doesn't quite romanticize things, but it doesn't quite make it all gritty and sad and upsetting either. She often works with um, non-actors um so she will write a fictional story and a fictional script uh but get people with the lived experience to act out these scripts um as much as possible nomadland is a bit of a deviation from that and that the main character was played by francis mcdormand but a lot of the kind of significant side characters i don't know if you've seen nomadland okay very very quickly summarize it but it's basically um after the global financial crisis a group of people decide to just live off their vans and take small jobs and kind of live around the country and it's both a financial um, necessity but also kind of a liberating thing that they don't have to participate um in like just life and capitalism anymore it's kind of they're separate from that um and it's a real community of people that exists so a lot of those people were in the movie playing themselves mm. but as characters wow yeah wow and fascinating she, there's so many stories of how she handles these people very sensitively hollywood is not known for handling things sensitively but yeah. she often makes sure that they retain their humanity in the process and their agency which i really really admire mm, i love yeah. that beautiful I'm going to have to research um, her and her movies for sure. Yeah, they're yeah. amazing. They're and now I'm movies. thinking about how I'm going to play my own like character. Exactly. You know, if I were yeah. in a movie about me, like how would I play it? Like, well, you would have to be directed really well for that to happen. Especially yeah, but then like had... how do you remember what happened? Like how do you remember how you carried yourself? Yeah, that's true. You know, like that's true. last year, I don't remember, like let alone five years ago. Like, how am I, I going to remember do that? what happened last week? Exactly. <laughs> how am I going to do that? It's really interesting of yeah. a concept. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And last question What's the course you've completed that you would like to talk about? I'm currently trying to complete a course. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about that as well if you want. Um, so, currently completing a course in screen production journalism. Um, both very, very interesting, both very intensive. Um, and hopefully it's been really cool because this podcast work is really relevant to both of them, um, which has been really nice. 
I love that. Practice, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your recommendations and things that we didn't know before. I definitely learned at least five new things today. So that was cool. Now let's go into the part where we talk about extended family. Now this is very interesting. I'm going to participate in this conversation as much as you do because I have quite a few things on my mind as well. But I wonder what your take is. But first of all, what is your personal definition of family? Yeah, that's a tough one because obviously there's a biological family, the people that you grew up with. I feel that that's what I would define as one one way to define family for me. Um, and coming from the culture that I come from, there's a lot of value placed in that community of people that you grew up with. Um, don't necessarily have to be related to them biologically. In my case, I was. Um, but I know within my family, there will be, you know, neighbors um, that are included that are very close to us. Um, in my case, my mum's brother's in-laws, I consider them to be part of my family because I met, I interacted with them so much growing up. They were there for some really key moments in my life. So I consider them to be part of my family, even though I'm not biologically blood related to them and have no real typical familial obligation to consider them. So, um, but for me personally, you know, my friends have been just as involved in defining who I am as my biological family. So I yeah. would count my friends as part of my family as well. Yeah. Personally, that's not really relevant to this episode, but that's just the way I see it, I think. Yeah, it doesn't have to be relevant to the episode because it's your personal definition. And we'll yeah. talk about extended family as well. And you know what? I'm going to challenge that because I think it is related to the episode. We're talking about extended family and a lot for a lot of us, it's kind of like this space I don't know about you but for a lot of us when I talk to my friends it's like this weird space you have to navigate because you're family but sometimes not really yeah yeah and they do influence you and in, in, to a certain extent and you do receive love and you try to give love as much as you can but at the same time it's a very hard dynamic to navigate because there's that like there's a gap in terms of expectations yeah I feel especially yeah. with the generational gap you know um and maybe it's different for the previous generation compared to our generation. And it will be even more different, to, you know, with the next generation mm -hmm. following us. But I find it to be fascinating whenever this topic comes up, because I also personally don't know how to deal with extended family sometimes. I love them, but to me, it's easier to love them from afar. I very much agree with that. And I feel like we'll have so much to say about that, like... I, I love my extended family. Um, I've spent a lot of time with them growing up. Uh, and I know, especially on my mom's side, she values them very, very much. And I know that if I were to lose touch with them in the future, even if I moved out of home, et cetera, um, she would be pretty upset about that. <laughs> so how I interact with my extended family affects my nuclear family as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> the distance is really important and I like what you said about like not being sure how to fully deal with them it's like because it's like there's this gap right in that it, you know it's your uncle or your second second uncle or your second cousins whatever third cousins um and they still give you their opinion because like you are part of the same family essentially you're all in the family whatsapp group um but it's like you should you follow that advice and and it's almost like this weird neighborhood like peer 
I don't know the best way to phrase this, but it's like, you know, that high school dynamic of like, you know, when people just have things to say and it has nothing to do with them, but they want to give their opinion anyway. It kind of almost feels like that sometimes. And it's weird to have to listen to someone and not quite listen to them either or not take them seriously. Like there's a very tense and blurry line there with extended Absolutely. family. Yeah, totally. Which is why now let's talk about the relationships because, you know, it's such an interesting topic and, and the first thing that comes out of it is obviously the relationship you have with them. As you just said, it's also hard to navigate the dynamic. So how do you maintain relationships with your extended family, especially since you live far away from them? And also for our audience who don't know anything about your background, maybe you yeah. can share a little bit about that so it gives them more context. Yeah, yeah. Well, being Asian, uh, be, you would understand this as well. Um, extended family is pretty much <laughs> almost equal to your immediate family. Um, so for a lot of people, we are lucky enough to have just grown up with them. So some like traditionally we all live in the same household. That might not be the case for a lot of the newer generations. Um, definitely not for my generation, but um, I guess for like my personal context, for example, um, I never lived in the same city as some of my extended family, so my grandparents and all of that, but we were always in the same country and we used to visit them a lot. Um, I remember, especially my mum's side of the family, my dad's side of the family were mostly overseas, so we didn't get to see them as much. But my mum's side of the family, um, my maternal grandparents, I used to visit them every summer. I would spend the entire summer with them. Essentially, school would close and I'd hang around for maybe a few weeks. Then I'd head off um, to stay with them. Um, so my happiest memories, uh, like spending summer with them, um, my maternal grandparents and also my mum's brother my mom's older brother and his family as well uh so i considered them to be very close to me um my cousin from that side of the family was like an older sister to me growing up um and it's kind of that's very natural i think to a lot of asian families like that's a that's replicated quite often um across various asian cultures really so that's kind of the context i'm coming from in terms of how I keep in touch with them, I wish I could say I was better at it. <laughs> um, I do have direct contact when needed with um, most of my extended family. And this includes, so my grandma had like, I don't know, eight siblings or something or like 10 siblings, a lot of siblings. Um, my grandfather also had, I think around six. Um, this is just my mom's side of the family. That's not even including my dad's side. Uh, so I have a lot of second cousins, a lot of them, uh, that my mom grew up and was very, grew up with them, was very close to. Some of them might be cousins, some of them might be aunts. I don't know for sure. <laughs> they might be more related to my grandma. I, I really don't know. Um, but like I have direct contact with these people. I don't, often initiate contact myself because I'm used to contacting them via my parents. Yeah. And a lot of that might just be the fact that I'm still living at home with my family. Um, there's no like need for me to directly talk to them 
Often when I do, it's when my parents are sick and need taken care of. So then they'll text me and ask me like, are they okay? Like, do you need any help looking after them? Which they can't really help being overseas. And we'll talk, I think, a little about that later too. Um, but just kind of like, do you want to call and like, we'll talk you through things, that kind of thing. Um, I am in touch with my cousin, I think the most, the one that is like a sister to me. Um, but even that is like, a lot of the time we'll FaceTime uh and instead of like text each other a regular so we'll facetime maybe like around birthdays and important festivals and that kind of thing it feels it doesn't feel like you know there's a gap despite how little we communicate uh but most of it my mum will call my grandma like once a week so i will just pop in say hello chat for a while and then pop out um and applies to pretty much all my extended family that she'll contact uh same with my dad and his extended family yeah it used to be easier before the pandemic because we used to go back almost every year. Yeah, um, I hear you. But I have not been back since the early 2020. Yeah, so, I think we yeah. we talked about this at one point and you were like, yeah, yeah, it's been so long since you last visited your extended family. Yeah. Um, I think for you, it's a bit different from me, but still, like, it's like still that factor of living away from your extended family is mm -hmm. kind of this interesting dynamic because... Like, I don't know about you, but for me, like, I'm really close to them. Mm. I was really close to them growing up. And, like, so close that we would hang out a lot, you know, because I'm especially close to my mom's side of the family. And we have frequent hangouts. And every weekend someone would come over, especially because, you know, we live with grandpa and grandma. Um, so it's like a norm. It's very, like, it's very normal for me to hang out with my extended family mm -hmm. and fast forward <laughs> 22 years later I decided to move across the globe to another country and now I don't hang out with anyone from my family the only people I would call would be my mom my dad and occasionally some of my cousins yeah that's it and yeah. I don't really have contacts with aunties and uncles anymore and I feel like there's still that relationship because for me, it's different from you. It's like you visit them every year before. For me, I basically grew up with them. Mm. And it's like a it's like a dynamic that was so different compared to now because now we barely talk and, you know, every now and again I would check in. And just like you, I probably talk to my mom and then through her talk to them if they're on the line by any chance. Um, but if not, then no, because, you know, I don't live with my family anymore and it's like this interesting space to navigate because we still have a relationship but i feel like a lot of it now is based on hearsay like oh you know like i know she's doing this and that like i know she's living there um blah, blah, blah. and i would know stuff about them that way as well like oh like i know that they're doing this and that through my mom not direct conversations not hanging out like before you know not spending quality time together or anything but for me Personally, it's actually easier that way to, to maintain the love for them because when I'm too close to them, sometimes it creates a lot of friction yeah. in, in, in a really bad way. Um, and it affects me. It affects my mental health because we have really different opinions and values. And I know this is very personal. It's not based on research or anything like that. But still, like I think it's a very big factor in, in this generation, especially for first gen second gen migrants you know like it's like it's like this whole dynamic that has changed or a new thing that you have to navigate if you want to maintain that relationship and you know what i do yeah and i think you do too it's probably just how right yeah i mean i like i think 
that first generation, second generation migrant is such a huge thing because like for you, you moved at 22, but you're already feeling that difference, right? Yeah. Of just Massive. moving overseas, changing the relationship. Because yeah. for me, like I moved when I was 11. So my entire personality is defined by the fact that I am a diaspora kid. I'm living away from my country of origin. Um, and that has changed my relationship with my family who are still in the homeland for the most part. Yeah. So much. Mm. Um, and like, I come from at least, you know, on my mom's side of the family, a progressive family. But even then there's like so many differences, so many things that I just know I could never talk to them about Yeah. Um, around things like mental health, around things like sexuality mm -hmm. that like, it's just not worth the conversation. And absolutely. I I'm hear you. Really glad sometimes <laughs> that I have moved away so that I can continue to have a good relationship with them Yeah. and also be able to keep things to myself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? That is actually related to family culture. Mm. Because each family would have its own culture, depending on whether they value these kinds of conversation or not. You're going to find yourself very comfortable or very uncomfortable mentioning it. I know for a fact that my family is a really traditional family and our, our values, our culture are very much traditional, mm. you know, in terms of the Vietnamese culture where I'm from. So I wonder what you think about this because obviously the family culture would affect your relationship with your extended family. Mm -hmm. Definitely the case for me. And I wonder how that works for you and your family. Yeah. So I've got a very mixed family in terms of what they value. Um, I definitely get along with the family members that have more progressive values. Um, and they tend to be in my generation. Uh, there are definitely some in my my parents' generation that are um, kind of also a bit more aligned. Um, again, I ha there's a lot of things that I just won't talk to them about. Like I'm not even going to try or experiment and see what they think because I just don't think it's worth the trouble. I don't want my opinion to change of them uh, just in case it ends up being different. Um, but yeah, I definitely values makes a huge difference in how much I want to continue to interact with some members of my family and, and how often as well. Uh, my dad's side of the family is relatively conservative and I love them. Uh, but my grandma did tell me at 19 that I should start looking for a husband. So I'm like, we'll, we'll not talk about marriage with you. <laughs> yeah. like, that's a conversation I'm not having with you anymore. Um, I love her to bits. Uh, she's very dear to me. And I think my my grandmas, my, my grandpa, my grandfathers on both sides of my family have passed away. Uh, but my grandmas, um, are both, uh, don't share my values, but very, very dear to me. Um, very precious. Uh, but yeah, definitely things that I avoid, um, talking about with them and definitely in some cases glad that that, that distance exists, um, to a certain extent. I think I'm grateful though, that like there are people in my family that I can definitely talk to and trust. Yeah. 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 But what, what does, does it have to do with your family culture, though? Because I know you, you've mentioned like the factor of, you know, your different grandparents are, you know, kind of different in their ways. But in terms of the family culture, how would you define that in terms of the relationship building? Because for me, right, like in my family, the culture is we would we need to be really tight knit 
like we just have to be tight knitted. Like mm-hmm. we have to hang out every week. Yeah. We have to stay in touch. We have to have a family group chat. We have to. It's kind of like a. It's really interesting. It's kind of like an organizational culture where you have to like celebrate all the birthdays and like, you know, um, organize catch ups and um, have budgets and KPIs for things you're you're gonna do together as an extended family. Um, and to me, like that culture, it's it's really important because without that, I would feel a little bit disconnected from them, especially because yeah. I live away from from home. Yeah. Um, and and with that, sometimes I'm just like, oh, you know, like these are the updates, and they do share updates uh, frequently, just kind of like a board meeting, you know, like you see all the, yeah. yeah, you see all the updates from the extended family. So that was really nice. Um, I don't partake as much in such conversations, but it keeps me in the loop. And I'm like, oh, you know, like these are people that are related to me and I'm happy to see them happy. Mm. And I know what's going on with them. And I know that, you know, they care about my mom when I'm away. Again, I'm still talking about my mom's side because I'm closer to them. So see, that's an example of family culture, a little bit like an organizational culture, I would say. Uh, but that's but that's my case. So how about your family culture? What you were describing is very, very familiar to me on my mom's side of the family as yeah. well. So um, my for context, my mom grew up with her cousins from both sides of the family um, and aunts, some of whom were closer to her age, um, all pretty much in the same building or in the same neighborhood. Uh, she's very, very close with them. So for them, that tight knit kind of staying close, staying in touch, calling each other constantly is super, super important for them. And as a part of that family, um, I am also like a lot of them were there to witness my birth. Um, a lot of them were there for like my earliest birthday parties and all of that. Um, and my grandma is the matriarch of the family. So a lot of them congregate around where she lives and come visit. So every time I'm visiting back home, other family members tend to be there because they're always just coming in to say hello if they're in town. Um, so that's very tight knit. Um, I don't know if we have KPIs and budgets, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, trying to get, like I said, many siblings together yeah. is it's, it's a process. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, requires a ridiculous amount of organization and the planning for food. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I hear you. Same. It's crazy. Um, it is. But uh, we manage somehow. Uh, also just finding free time. So that's another thing. Like we were talking about generally generational differences. Um, back in India, the younger generations work a lot more. I'm talking people who are currently now in their 30s, maybe early 40s, work a lot more than uh, and longer hours than maybe their parents did. Yeah. So trying to find days that they're free <laughs> to come in for dinner and like getting everyone kind of together, yeah. that's a whole thing. But everyone is dedicated to making it happen mm. in a way that um, I don't think would be the case if we weren't family. Yeah. My dad's side of the family is... A very different story, mainly because he grew up traveling around the country. So they're used to having remote relationships. Um, so we have, we communicate with family Zoom calls. That's a ritual. That's like really important. Right now, literally, I think almost every member of the family is in a different country. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, we've got someone studying in Poland. <laughs> we've got people in Nigeria, um, some back in India, some in Dubai. So 
it, trying to like get time zones together for a family Zoom call is like, that's another exercise. Um, so it's less tight knit, but it's more accepting of the fact that sometimes that distance can just cause long gaps in speaking and you just have to like continue to catch up um, where possible. I don't know if that makes sense. But it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's, yeah, that's interesting because each family is very different, right? Like mm-hmm. I know that there are families that just don't hang out yeah. with their extended family. Yeah. Um, I know my friend's families, for example, their extended family is ex- extremely troublesome. Like it's just really dysfunctional. Mm. So I'm very grateful that my extended family has a really great culture. Yeah. With great KPIs and budgets. Um, no jokes aside. That are all agreed on. <laughs> jokes aside, it's really great to have a good family culture in the mm-hmm. sense of, you know, like valuing each other um, and really putting in the effort to stay close and stay in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for aunties and uncles who are a little bit older, you know, they appreciate this even more um, because, you know, in, in a way that's their community and, you know, like they have friends and they have connections, but nothing trump's family yeah still exactly so exactly yeah i think that's that's the beauty of it like um, personally i'm really close to some of my cousins Mm -hmm. like more than anybody else and um i really appreciate what we have because i don't have siblings per se like i have a half brother but i don't ever talk to him so to me like having cousins that i can really talk to that's precious like they're Yeah, they're like my brothers um, rather than just cousins. So that's really, really awesome. I totally get that. And, you know, like this is going to be very interesting because going into the next questions, um, whenever there's a family disagreement, we would stand on the sideline together and kind of observe it because we're of the next generation. Um, And for me, like I'm not involved in disagreements directly. But whenever that happens... It's good to have someone you can share your thoughts with or just, you know, be there with you mm-hmm. to kind of discuss it or observe it together because you don't want to repeat the same thing for your generation, right? Agreed. So for me, like, it's like, okay, I don't have to deal with the situation directly, but I I know what's going on and I can support, mm-hmm. uh, for example, my mom or my auntie or my uncle when there are disagreements and I know what is right and what is wrong. So throwing back to you, how do you deal with that? How do you overcome disagreements and misunderstandings in your family, in your extended family? I'm like you in that I've never been directly involved. Um, There have definitely been disagreements. Honestly, like growing up, I was very unaware of them. Um, I think my parents did their utmost best to make sure that I was in the dark about a lot of these things. Now that I'm an adult, um, I'm a bit more in the know. I think it's interesting because because of the way my parents have handled it and allowed me to develop relationships with some of these people without knowing that there was kind of drama happening in the background, I can now come to my own conclusions. And that's, I think, really nice. I'm grateful to my parents for allowing me to do that um I don't know if it was intentional on their part or not um I know that like often when they will recant drama to me they will give me their side of the story and tell me their thoughts yeah and I'll I'll kind of like I'm like okay I know what you think but let me take a step back and like kind of figure out what I know Hmm. um 
I do have like a couple of cousins that we that that I probably could talk about, but I'm going to be honest, I've never been in the situation where I've had to directly address it. I've kind of just observed and like yeah. kept it to myself. Yeah. Um because I've just never been involved enough to like need to support anyone, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. It's never kind of gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, honest we don't we don't have any direct disputes I think like my parents my immediate yeah. family don't have any direct disputes with anyone um so that doesn't seem to be the case and in the case of you know my mum and her older brother they're very close um and they value each other a lot so I don't see touch wood I don't see anything happening between them soon um but even so that would be very strange because he like again summer's at their place all the time um I re- like his daughter is like an older sister to me. You were saying, you know, you don't really have any siblings. I was an only child for the first seven and a half years of my life. So my brother came along, she and her brother were my siblings. Yeah. Um, they were what I had. Yeah, So totally. It would be strange, but yeah. I think that we would be able to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah think- you know, like uh, when when I, when you th- talked about that, I suddenly realized that there was this point in my life where there, there were disagreements and misunderstandings mm-hmm. and things happening directly with me and, and the the cousin generation, actually. Um, and it was pretty sad because uh, I, I didn't mention this, but um, I had, I have a cousin who used to be my best friend. Mm-hmm. So you can figure it's no longer happening. Mm-hmm. And there was a period where I had to navigate this dynamic because it became distant and then it became weird and then it became nothing. And then I had to navigate through all of that. And I'm just kind of like, now I'm actually handling this relationship by myself because it's not like a disagreement within the family where it's just aunties and uncles are involved. Yeah, This is me directly. And also mm-hmm. in this scenario, our parents are kind of like us in the other scenario. They're just observing yeah. and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. It's just showing the support, right? So for me, I think how... I would normally approach this is to to seek support mm-hmm. and to provide the support as well. Now that I think about it, because I cannot handle whatever my mom's going through with her brothers and sisters um, and the um, in-laws. Yeah. But I can show her my point of view and I can show her my support. And that's what I did because a lot of the times little things happen and they uh, just like your family they don't tell you mm. because they want to protect you from the dramas and whatever's going on and then i have to slowly figure it out and and slowly learn to be the adult in the family and just show the support and actually sometimes i actually sit my mom down and be like do you know how ridiculous this is right now mm. you know like and, and this this is how i would deal with it and overcome all of these things by showing support and just take it one step at a time, really, because sometimes you can save the relationship and sometimes you cannot save the relationship at all. Yeah. So, yeah, I think sometimes you have to be the bigger person, especially because it's a, you know, it's an extended family kind of a situation. But uh, in other scenarios where people are really particular or they're kind of like strong and really opinionated, you know, like it's. It's hard. So overall, I would say like to overcome it for me, it's been really helpful to just take a step back and um, observe and yeah. ask for help w- where I can, where I cannot. You know, I, I handle it by myself. 
And when there's a disagreement within the family that I'm not directly involved in and I need to, to show the support, I will. But I don't want it to be like gossipy, yeah. you know. So it's just like I observe and I share my opinion with whoever is directly involved that is close to me if they need me. Mm. If not, then it's better to, to just, just, yeah, stay yeah. away from it. Do you feel that... Um, and this is kind of, I guess, what I've observed just from my family. But do you feel that the fact that you all grew up together make the fights, the infighting a little bit more intense? Because you had this kind of very close relationship and then suddenly there's a bit of a betrayal of trust. Yeah, I would say so. Especially for my, my mom and her siblings. Because a lot of the time when the in-laws are involved, it gets complicated and... I, I think this is like a like a very complex dynamic because on the one hand you have siblings, on the other hand you have partners who are in laws to the siblings, and who do you, which side do you choose? I've never been in such a situation because I'm very single, <laughs> but you know, like when I think about it, I will probably have to deal with that in the future. Maybe, maybe, yeah. If I do decide to partner up. And that will be really complicated because how do you deal with it? As I said, if I can participate and if it's directly related to me, I will do my part, mm. explain my side of the story. If yeah. not, I will show support to the people that need the support. And if it's just irrelevant, probably just best to walk away from the situation and distance yourself from it. Uh, yeah, I think in-laws definitely make things very complicated because I know... My mom has a lot of stories from when she first got married, but by the time I was conscious enough to kind of make out family dynamics, I didn't notice anything that was going wrong. So maybe it was just like the birth of a child kind of creating a bit of a shift or it had just mellowed out by yeah. the time I was old enough. Yeah. Um, but because now that there's no kind of active disputes or anything at the moment. Thankfully. Thankfully. But I know things like, you know, inheritance, which touch wood hasn't happened in my family yet. Yeah. Um, but from what I know from friends' families and the stories I hear from them about their extended families, it can get very vicious even amongst yeah, it is. people who used to be very close. It is. Yeah. It and can be. Those even those aren't even well, depends on what. I see those kind of jokes online all the time of like people going back to actually see the land they're disputing on and it's like four square meters with a tree on it. <laughs> but I, I get it, you know, it's it's kind of a family heirloom almost or yeah. even just something that you feel belongs to you that is kind of taken away and it can get quite intense, you know. Sometimes there are smaller disputes, but sometimes there are really, really big ones that yeah. are over property and yeah. heirlooms and that kind of thing absolutely so yeah you're reminding me of all the past stuff that's happened i was like whoa i didn't know any about any of that by the way i just found out later on because mm. i was a child back then me too i found out later on as well yeah but this is this is how it's good to actually learn mm. before it happens to you because this might happen to you in the future it might happen to me in the future who knows it's very likely i feel like it happens to most people <laughs> Yeah, so I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know, because I haven't been in a situation where it's really intense yet, but I can kind of sense that it might come about if, you know, if anything were to happen. And you don't know when, 
Mm. It's not like you're prepared for it, and there's like a timeline where you can be like, "Oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna deal with the situation right now." It's family, you know, things happen. Um, so for me, it's like this. It's an interesting dynamic that I have to navigate, and seems like you do too. Uh, I I wonder what people normally do, you know, like so. I don't know if anyone is interested in the topic and participate in the conversation, but I would very much like to hear. If anyone has some tips comments. on yeah. good ways to deal with inheritance exactly. disputes, yeah, let us know because yeah. like that stuff's torn like siblings. Yeah, apart. I mean, touch wood. Um, my grandma in her will, like she discussed her will with us, and she said that she was. Again, context. Um, so I come from a family and a culture that's matrilineal. Um, so property is passed down through the mother um, to mother, like mother to daughter, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, so my grandma being the matriarch of the family means that it should pass to my mum, who's the oldest daughter, and then to me. But uh, she is choosing to pass it to my uncle, like her kind of possessions. And that was something she discussed with us beforehand. So like, we're like, you know what? Fine. Like, we don't really value it as much anyway. And yeah. it makes a lot more sense because he's in the country and we're not. Yeah so very interesting yeah yeah well for me it's very different because i you know like as i said i don't have siblings per Mm -hmm. se and i'm the only child from my mom and our family has nothing so we you know inheritance is really just not not an issue um for me it's mainly like i'm just building my life here and i would very much like some space and i think the most I, I, I'm trying to find a nice word. The most challenging thing is navigate those conversations about like, when are you getting married? Boundaries. From extended family. So yeah, creating boundaries and just really like have some distance because mm-hmm. I visited my family recently and it was so intense because I love them, but not to see them every day. You know, and it's like, it's the same conversation repeated five times over. And it's not like I'm going to get married after talking to you. You know, when whenever yeah. we go home, it's usually around three weeks to a month at a time. And by week three, I'm like, I want to go home. <laughs> I'm tired. I wanna, like, yeah. I love you people, but I want to go home. Yeah. For me, it's not so much marriage. It's more I've taken a very long time to graduate from uni. In fact, I'm still attempting it. Um, <laughs> still going. Uh, you go, girl. You've got this. I started in 2013 and I'm still like trying to get myself a degree. I've had a lot of mental health issues that are very difficult to communicate to my extended family in order to explain why it's taken me so long to get a degree because growing up, I was a smart child. So that conversation is always really difficult to navigate every time I go home. Yeah. And it's also doesn't help that I'm doing something new almost every time that yeah. I return. Yeah. Um, it hasn't helped that I've, the one time I've been consistent has been when we've been in a pandemic <laughs> and I haven't been able to return and go home at any point. Mm-hmm. So those are conversations that probably in hindsight make me reluctant to kind of start conversations with them as well, because I know it'll probably go down that route because that's what culturally we care about um, work and what people are doing with themselves and financial stability. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, for you, it's like the marriage conversation, which I know will happen to me <laughs> one day, even though I've been very clear about the fact that I'm not really interested in marriage and it might not be something I'll ever do. Um, but it's more like, when are you going to graduate? What are you studying? What are your career options? I'm like, please just let me like do my best in the present right now. Like those are conversations that are stressing me out. I'm fine. Yeah. Don't worry about me. Yeah. 
And also, you know, this might be something you're used to as well, but the undiagnosed anxiety that is in your extended family exactly. that you can see because like you have the, the diagnosed version of it um, and you can't tell them because yeah. they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, this is yeah. just normal. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot mm-hmm. in terms of the dynamic, because, um, you know, like if we were to talk about like mental health issues or, you know, like the progressive sides of the family and whether they are progressive or not i have many stories to tell Mm -hmm. um but i think uh, it's time to come to a conclusion because we've talked about this dynamic quite a bit so i think from my perspective the most important question i want to ask you right now given all that you've shared with us is how have your experiences with your extended family shaped who you are today look um It is because my extended family has been so wonderful overall um, that I am who I am today. It's not just my immediate family, but my extended family who have just kind of given me free reign to be myself. Like they've never pressured me into doing anything, like maybe apart from just doing as well as I can in my studies. But they've never tried to push me into a career path. They've never given me the idea that because of my because I'm a woman, I can't do specific things. Um, ne- the marriage question has probably come up once or twice from conservative part- sides of my family, but um, for the most part, the people that I interact with the most don't pressure me um, as much about those things. So I'm really, really lucky because I know a lot of people who are my age and within the same culture and have very similar dynamics to their extended family um, don't have those privileges. So I think that me being a very independent thinker and doing my own thing and feeling confident enough to do my own thing is owed to that attitude that both my immediate family and my extended family have. So yeah, that's my conclusion. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's interesting because it's good to know that you have such a great extended family that would mm. that, that had this positive ex- influence on you. Mm. you know? And I think for me too, because it's a really nice reminder. Like I think each family is very unique, mm. whether it be nuclear or extended. And who you are is definitely shaped by your experiences with these individuals mm. because you would have grown up, been growing up, growing up with them. And the, the whole process of you from being, being a child to being an adult, mm. so many things must have happened. Yeah. And I'm grateful because I know that for a lot of my friends, it hasn't always been easy. Mm. Extended family can be extremely difficult. So for, for me and I, what I'm hearing from you as well is it's, it's great for our extended family overall. Yeah, they, they've been good influences. And I think for me, too, you know, like I love the ch- culture that we have and, and it shapes me up to who I to be who I am today. Um, you know, like I love frequent hangout with friends and I have rituals with friends and I have like, you know, like things that I would do for them, like family, thanks to the things that, you know, my extended family did for me and for for my nuclear family. So. I think it's just a really nice reminder to to think about your extended family if you're living away from them. Um, I think not everyone mm. is in the same situation as we are. Yeah. However, maybe there's a, a point in their lives where this might happen. Yes. 
it might not be in, in another country, but you know, like lots of people move from city to city and it's just changes the whole dynamic. So this might be a really good thing to think about because the dynamic that we have with our extended families, is it's just going to be with us forever. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. up to us to decide what we want to do with it. There's one anecdote I want to share about my extended family that totally. I feel really sums up both my love for them and their love for me. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather passed away the day before my 11th birthday. Um, and something that my extended family, who had all obviously come in for the funeral, which was on my birthday, something that they just collectively decided to do was make sure that I had a good birthday, despite everything. So my uncle's in-laws took me out for the day. And I kind of wish I had gone to my grandfather's funeral. But at the same time, I really, really appreciate that they took the time to make sure that I wasn't bogged down regardless. Um, And I think that really sums up, like, despite all of the barriers, the things that I can't talk to them about, they have my best interests at heart. And I think that that's something that when you come from a community oriented family, you just carry on to other people as well. Oh, I love that. That's exactly what I was trying to say. I didn't have the words for it, but yeah, it's a a community oriented family sort of culture. Totally. I really love that. And yeah, it's, it's a bit sad that happened to you but i'm also glad that you learned about the value of your extended family through that experience and i think we are all gonna go through some things in life we don't know when we don't know how um but the power of the extended family is going to show you know especially if you have a really strong one um if you happen to have a not so great one it's also okay because you can build your extended family as well don't forget that. I'm so that. glad you kept speaking because I literally was about to say RIP <laughs> if you have a bad extended family. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's it's just upsetting, I think. It is, yeah. but I think we, we can choose our extended family too, just mm-hmm. like you said earlier, right? Because our friends. you can direct your attention to your friends. If you feel like this is it's not a great environment, you can distance yourself from it. Yeah, and those boundaries are important regardless of how close to your family you are. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Well, those are all the questions. Um, I think we can keep talking about this topic all day. Literally forever. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, like there, there's just so much to talk about and, and things will start to come out. But let's wrap it up with open mic. We don't have practice because this is not an expert-led podcast um, for the day. Uh, we're just here to oh, have fun. did I fun forget? Today. I have a PhD in extended family, actually. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> to mention that at the start um, of the episode. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, you don't have uh, such a thing. Um, but it's been really fun to talk about it. And I think it's um, it's it's one thing to, to hear expert opinions. It's another thing to hear stories. Because mm. I, I, I do believe in the power of stories. They shape who we are. Um, and... It's good to hear stories from other people as well, not to compare yourself, but to get perspectives, mm. you know, because I feel like when you said that you're you're grateful for your extended family, I was like, yeah, me too, actually. I didn't think about it as much, but I am. Mm. Anyways, here's your open mic. Here's your chance to talk about anything you want to talk about. Doesn't have to be about the topic. Uh, I'm sure you have some things to share. So take it away. Yeah. Um, I feel like I wasted um, my anecdote. Uh, I probably should have put that in the open mic instead. Um, but I want to talk about my cousin for a while. Um, she is kind of, I grew up with her. She was like an older sister to me. 
And uh, she's, I think, probably my main point of contact with my extended family at the moment. Um, even when we're not texting, we have each other on Be Real. So I'm always seeing her dog uh, and she's always seeing mine. And um, she's probably the one person I can probably just confide anything in because I know that she's going to get it. Uh, and I think that finding that one person in your family can sometimes just be enough um, who, who you can just entirely confide in, especially yeah. when she can be more ex understanding than your immediate family. I have a younger sibling, but he is seven and a half years younger than me. There's almost a generational gap between the two of us. And it like, sometimes I, it's just easier to talk to her yeah. um, than it is to talk to him. Mm. So obviously my parents as well, because that's a whole generation too. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes finding just that one person in your extended family, even if you're not in touch with all of them, just the one can be enough. Yeah. Oh, And hopefully she's that. willing to just go on spontaneous vacations with you as well. Oh, I love that. So good to hear. Yeah. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Just one person makes it enough, right? Mm. Um, because they tie everything together for you, basically. Exactly. Um, and you feel belonged, you feel in touch with them. And I think that's the most beautiful thing about extended family you just need one anchor and everything falls into place exactly yeah yeah oh well thank you so much for being here today and talking about extended family it's not an easy topic to talk about i feel like we're we've been very vulnerable talking about this but hopefully it helps to put perspectives into i think we've also been careful because oh, we can't just lives. kind of you know dump our family drama on the podcast well either. i mean it, it but it is good to be careful but it's also good to be honest I've and i think we honest. have been honest enough yeah i yeah. agree yeah it was really nice to chat to you i feel like i learned so much today oh me too thank you so much for being here and well next time dina will be back dina will be back <laughs> dina will be back one day i'll be back on the family show as well absolutely absolutely we'll have to get you back on it you've been listening to all together the family science insights podcast produced by family science labs a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website at fa.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, and thanks for tuning in.